Good afternoon. Welcome to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We look forward to having you on the show. Thanks for joining us. This afternoon's episode is titled Abide in Him. It shall be focused on a study of 1 John chapter 2. Before we go any further, we begin with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank thee for thy word which abides in us. For you said, if my word abide in you, in you and me, ask what you will. So Father, help us to live out your will, that all that as we were taught to pray, may your will in heaven be done in our lives on earth. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Up next, we shall listen to 1 John chapter 2. Chapter 2 My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him, ought himself also to walk, even as he walked. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which he had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past, and the true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light, and hateth his brother, is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because ye have known the Father. I have written unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out, that they might be made manifest that they were not 
all of us. But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. I have not written unto you because ye know not the truth, but because ye know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. But he that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. Let that therefore abide in you, which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he hath promised us, even eternal life. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you. But as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If ye know that he is righteous, ye know that every one that doeth righteousness is born of him. Up next, we shall listen to a sermon by Reverend William Branham titled, Convinced Then Concerned. This was preached in 1962 on January the 18th. We'll begin at paragraph 199 up to paragraph 271. I trust you find it to be a blessing. Over in Judges, we find the third judge. Many of you never did read it. His name is Shamgard. A little bit of one verse wrote of him at the bottom of the page of, of, the, of the Bible in my Scofield Bible here. And uh, Shamgard, he was uh, an Israelite, and during the time of the judges, the Philistines had let all the Israelites raise up their crop. And what would they do? They'd come over, march in, when they'd worked all summer, take their crop away from them, go right on back. One day, little Shamgard out there, he was standing, got his barn, got his trashing all done, had his wheat laying up. And, Probably his little wife kind of ragging his little kids, you know, pale cheek. Had to live very slim because the year before, Philistines got everything. They just had to glean around and get what they could. And there they was in that condition. And about time Shamgard got everything set in order for the winter, he heard a noise. He looked out the window. What coming? Here come 600 Philistines, all in armor, spears, swords hanging on their side, helmets about an inch thick of brass, Great big covered over like this with metal and coats of nail, as they call it. Here they was, tromp, 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 march right out of the pot, take away what he had. That's it. You know what? Shamgard, I could just imagine. Look back at his family, look out there in them Philistines, and he looked up towards heaven. He thought, I am a Jew. I'm in the covenant. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, my father is my God. I'm circumcised. I'm not a fighter. I don't know nothing about a sword. But I'm concerned about my family. I'm convinced that you're a God. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Not hey, Mr. Philistines, wait till I get my bachelor's art. Uh, uh, you know, my uh, PhD. I'll learn how to do it. You got time for that. Yeah. Just know it, he's God. That's all. He said, I know that he's God. I'm convinced that he's God. 
I know that I'm a Jew. I know I'm in the covenant. I know I'm circumcised. Oh, my. Today we're circumcised by a greater circumcision than that. We're circumcised by the Holy Ghost. When the world's all cut off of you. Are you in the covenant? Are you a Christian? Are you filled with the Holy Ghost? Are you circumcised by the Holy Ghost? And brother, every promise in the Bible belongs to you. Amen. God's got grace there to make you women get your hair long. Got grace in there to make you man see that she does. Got grace in there for all these things. Got grace in there for your healing. Right, He's God. If it isn't, what are we playing about? What are we carrying on about? We're a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal and become a saltless lost its Savior. That's right. Certainly, we are Pentecostal, or are we? Amen. The next thing, if we're Pentecostals, let's be Pentecostal. Right. If the message is right, get in it. If it is, get out of it and find where it is right. God be God serving. But you can't serve God and mammon at the same time. Let's serve God. Be convinced. And then you'll be concerned. Then the church will really go to growing. Because you'll go out and get everybody you can to bring them in. But as long as you just go around and say, well, that's the preacher's job. It isn't the preacher's job. It's everybody's job. Amen. Right. Every born-again Christian has that same spirit in them. preacher might be gifted, but that's just the gift of the Holy Ghost. Not the Holy Ghost. The gift of the Holy Ghost. Preachers are called prophets and teachers and evangelists and pastors and so forth. They receive the Holy Ghost and a gift to do these things with it. But God don't have any little bitty children, great big children. They're all children to Him. That's exactly right. And you're rightly positioned. You're sitting right now in heavenly places in Christ Jesus with every power. You say, Brother Bram, I'm the least in the church. I'm just a little bitty fellow. But remember, when He ascended on high, see, you're raised with Him. You're in the body. And you're with Christ right now, seated in heavenly places. If you're the skin on the bottom of the feet, every devil's underneath you. Exactly right. The church, where the head is, the body's with it. And if we be buried, died, buried in Christ, then we are raised with Him in His resurrection and set in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Whatever power hell under us. Amen. No matter how little you are, ever devil's under you. Why? Our great conqueror has conquered ever sin, ever thing, ever sickness, ever even death itself. That's right. We are more than conquerors in Him. Only thing we're seated with Him at His throne. Looking to him as he looks over the Father. That's it. It's there. All right. Shamgar got enough of it. He said, I, I am convinced that he's God. I am concerned with my family. You know what he did? He'd taken that ox goat and jumped out there in the middle of the road and slew 600 Philistines. You know what an ox goat is? Well, it's a stick. About, oh, I guess about six, seven foot long. Maybe not that long with a little piece of a brass on the end of it or something, or iron, and when the plow gets uh, stopped up, sometimes they rake the plow with it like that, and then they punch the gold to the ox like that. Hurry up, hurry on, jump along like that, with a stick in his hand. And he, not nothing on, but he's just his overhauls as well as farming clothes. And here these Philistines was dressed in helmet and armor with spear, and that one little Jew... <laughs> he never only routed, but he slew. <laughs> Amen. How did that stick hold up? The first rap he took across the Philistine's head with the armor on it, about like that, that ox goat went 50 pieces. But he knocked one one way and one the other like that until he knocked the whole bunch up down and killed them. Wow! 
because he was convinced. Amen. And he was concerned. Man would fight for his family like that, under circumstances like that. What ought the church of the living God to fight with? For the baptism. Shamgar had an ox goat. You got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, my. We don't want four hours tonight, so we better move along. <laughs> All right. Yes, sir. Abraham. You know what he did? He entertained one day. I think it's right about 16, 17, well, about the 19th chapter, I guess, of Genesis. He entertained one day a bunch of men until he was thoroughly convinced who they were. He raised up his eyes when he was sitting out there in the tent. He seen three men coming, dusty clothes, looked at him. He was some little funny feeling come up on him, but that man is a little different from other men. So he ran out to him and he said, Won't you drop by and sit down under the oak and said, and take a little rest and uh, I'll fetch you a little water and I'll wash your feet and, and I'll give you a piece of bread and, and then you refresh yourself, then you can go on your journey. Well, See? You. What was it? He wasn't just going to let the opportunity pass by. Don't you do it tonight either. He's going to hold that opportunity. Now, he said, you sit right here now, and I'll go in and bring the water out. He washed their feet, you know, watching. He said, I'm almost positive I'm right. He went over to the next fellow and looked him over, you know, and washed his feet, dusted the dust off his clothes, told Sarah, said, I get some bread ready right quick, and told the servants, said, get that calf that I just slew, said, make some chops, and now we're going to feed these men. He kept washing, said, I'm pretty sure. I'm almost positive. And so then, after a while, it went on a little while, and they sat down and eat. Perhaps when he got ready, they got through eating, they kept looking towards Sodom. And after a while, one of them spoke out and said, uh, Abraham, not Abram now, just a few days before, God had changed his name. Abraham, where is Sarah? Not S-A-R-R-A, but S-A-R-A-H, Sarah. Where is Sarah, thy wife? How do you know his name was Abraham? How do you know he's married? How do you know he had a wife? How do you know his name was Sarah? And how do you know it had been changed from Sarah to Sarah? And him from Abram to Abraham. Abraham said, oh. <laughs> ah, oh yeah. That must be, I've seen him in spirit, but this must be him. He, uh, and Abraham said, she's in a tent. And the Bible said that the man had his back turned to the tent. said, she's in a tent back behind you there. He said, Abraham, I'm going to visit you according to the time of life. You've waited for 25 years now for this. You're 90 years old, 100 years old, and she's 90. And now we're, uh, I'm going to visit you now, and bring, you're going to have this child that I promised you. Oh, I, the personal pronoun, I promised you. Abraham said, I know it so now. But Sarah, back in the room, she didn't understand. She said, Laugh. said, me, an old woman here, nearly a hundred years old, will have pleasure with my Lord. And said, him being old too, how could we ever the, as be as a family anymore? said, we couldn't do that. said, it just couldn't happen. And she laughed within herself. And the man with his back turned to the tent, said, why did Sarah laugh, saying this thing couldn't be done? Then Abraham knew. <laughs> then Abraham knew. Then Sarah knew. And she came forth trembling, said, I never said, said, yes, you did say it. <laughs> oh, then Abraham was convinced that it was God. He called him Lord, capital L-O-R-D, which is Elohim. 
Not just a myth. He was a God. He was sitting there. said, um, uh, oh, uh, he was thoroughly convinced that that was God. So he's going down to Sodom. And what did he do? Then he was concerned about his lost brother down in Sodom. Right quick, when he seen what was going to happen, he said, uh, if I find 50 men down there that it's righteous, will you, will you spare it? 40 and on down to 10. See, he was concerned about his brother. That's it, brother. We're concerned about our brother when we're convinced that it's God. And if we Pentecostal people are convinced this is God, then we'll be concerned about our brethren. That's right. And we act like it, we're not fully convinced. And sometimes when we pray for the sick, the sick just keeps on going. Say, well, I don't know. Pray for me again and on back and forth. We act like we're not thoroughly convinced that God keeps His promise. God keeps His promise, brother. It certainly does. If it, if, it isn't God, if it isn't God's promise, then He don't have to keep it. But if it's His promise, He must keep it in order to be God. Ain't nothing wrong with God. It's with you and I. God promised in the last days what He would do, how He would manifest Himself. In the last days, Jesus said in St. John 14, 12, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. When Philip come up there and, and before Jesus and he saw these things take place, he run got Nathaniel. Nathaniel come over, and when Nathaniel got up in his presence, he was thoroughly convinced. Yes, sir. When he said, I saw you when there was another fig tree, he was convinced that that was the Messiah. He said, you're the Son of God. I know the woman at the well, she was thoroughly convinced when he told her she had five husbands at that time. She was convinced, and not only was she convinced, but she was concerned. She ran into the city and said, Come see a man that's told me the things that I've done. Isn't this the Messiah? She was thoroughly convinced. Believe. Know that it was true. Oh, God, have mercy on us. We should stay with him until we're convinced. That's right. To know what's right. Then see his promise made alive among us. We would be concerned. If we would just take God's book here and say he promised to do it. And then stay until we are convinced that he is the God of this word. To see him manifest himself in that word. Making that word alive that you have received the promise in here. If ye abide in me and my words. Not just one of them, all of them. And my words abide in you. Then you ask what you will, and it will be done unto you. Amen. That's right, see. It's got, not just today, it's night, tomorrow, doubt it. You throw it out tomorrow and say, well, I tell you, I, t- I don't know whether it's right or not. It might be for somebody who don't know about me. Then you see it don't abide. It's gone, see. The birds come by and pick it up, the fowls of the air. But if it falls plumb over or past any reasoning, doubts, or anything else, it will bring forth a hundredfold. Concern. It reminds me, I'm just... Got several more scriptures here I want to refer to, but I'm going to stop in a minute. Say this. I seen the other day a little cartoon in the paper. I want to end up in saying this. That struck me. And it was a, a cartoon is very outstanding. There was a little boy. He's well dressed on a Sunday morning, ready for Sunday school, his little hair combed, his hat in his hand, done washed his face and had his breakfast and eat something and brushed his teeth and got ready to go to Sunday school and he was standing at the door of the bedroom of his sleeping father and mother knocking on the door saying which one of you all are going to take me to Sunday school? <laughs> Concern. That's it. That's just it, friend. Concern. Do you realize that the responsibility of this city of Tempe here I believe is resting upon your shoulders. 
I believe that God has made you lighthouse, each one of you. You're, you're, the responsibility of the sins of this city is resting upon ministers, upon the church people, the pilgrims, as we're journeying through. Don't you believe that? Are, well, are you not afraid? Surely you're not afraid to take God at His word. God keeps His word. God is not a God to say that He's one thing and then another. See? If He promises anything, that thing He'll do. God keeps His word. Do you believe that? Don't you believe that the same Jesus that was raised up from the grave has come back in the form of the Holy Ghost and in us now? Amen. A little while in the world seeth me no more, yet ye shall see me. Amen. Ye shall see me. Amen. See? For I'll be with you, even in you. Amen. See? To the end of the consummation, to the end of the world, I'll be right with you. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Lo, I'm with thee always, even to the end of the world. See, the world won't see it, but ye shall see it. The world don't believe it. You're the one that, the ones that believes it is the ones that receives it. That is true. Oh, uh, friends, here's the secret. Here's the thing I want you to know. I, I'm so happy to come to speak to you tonight. You're such a nice audience. I'm so glad to be in Brother Groomish Church here. I see, I believe you was a treasurer one time or something another, one of our meetings or something another, taking care of secretary, treasurer, and so forth. And I, I always wanted to come to his little church. He asked me them, them times, Brother Bram, come up and speak for us. There's another bunch of people that I'd love to get to. And that's these Indians up here, uh, just above here, the, those Navajo or Apache Indians. Um, the precious people, I remember them meetings up there how we had them, and, and wherever I am, I still can remember these lovely meetings around here with those people. And I, the same message that I preached at the beginning, I still have the same thing. I still stand the same way. It's God, friends. I am thoroughly convinced that this Holy Ghost way is God. Now, that is the truth. I believe it with all my heart. Now, and if we, you have to be convinced, if you don't, then you're not concerned. Now, if I wasn't concerned or convinced that the Holy Ghost way was right, I'd still be in the Baptist church because they're a fine bunch of brethren over in that Baptist church. Yes, sir. Them missionary brethren are fine brethren. Some of them. But I love them yet. And I am con thoroughly convinced, though, that the church is time for the church to be baptized with the Holy Ghost. That's Christ coming into you, making himself known through miracles. Now, the... The Baptist believes that also in most all the churches, uh, besides Catholic, the Catholic takes that little wafer, you know, for the God being in that wafer. One night I'm going to preach on that, uh, you know, paganism versus Christianity, if the Lord will. Eh? So um, uh, about this wafer being God. So now um, I, uh, I believe that all Protestants believe in the great evangelical move that, that, uh, uh, that's really born to the Spirit of God or got any God about them. They know the Holy Spirit comes, but they don't say that he, when He comes that He's changed His nature, they seem to be. seem to think, well, He just intolerates the world and the people can go around on living the way they always, you know, just go to church and try to be a good fellow, do the best you can. That's not it, friends. When the Holy Ghost comes into you, He makes you a new creature. Yes, sir. He makes you a new creature. And he puts himself within you, and you are his idol. You, he's living inside of you, working, moving his own way in you. Now, I read the Old Testament first, and I've seen what God was in the Old Testament through those prophets. Now, I come over to the New Testament, and I take in the New Testament. 
And I found out the same God of the Old Testament was also the same God of the New Testament. Then I took from the New Testament down to the organizing of the early Catholic Church, which is about 300 years at the Nicaea Council, when the bishops take the name of Pope, and the Roman Church, and which took the dogma side, and the Orthodox Catholic believed the Bible and continued on, but the Roman Church taken over the, the dogma side, and they still do it today. And, uh, and so then, in there, they lost out the miracles and signs that went on down for the hundreds of years until the Reformation. Then the Reformation came forth. There come Martin Luther, John Wesley, uh, I believe angels of the church ages as we pass through the Philadelphian age and the uh, Thyatira age and now down at the Lady of Sin church age. And the most pitiful side of all of it is that Lady of Sin church age because Christ was put outside of his church and was knocking trying to get back on the inside of it. Yes, that's right. The church that we come into trying to get back after he had been put out. Oh, brother, sister, how he wants to get in among his church. How he wants to move among them. How he wants to express himself to the, to the world. He can only do it as he uses you and I. How did they know that that was Messiah? How did the woman of the well know that was Messiah? When he told her that she had five husbands. How did Nathaniel say, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God? Because he said, I saw you when you were under the tree. <laughs> See, that's how they know it. That's what's the sign of the Messiah. That is true. Amen. Just ask anybody. Look through the Bible. That's what it is, the sign of Messiah. Now, he's, I've been through this country many times. And I, I am no Messiah. I'm, I, I'm, I'm your brother. But what I'm trying to say that the Messiah, the Christ, the same Holy Spirit that was in Christ, that's what made him Messiah. Christ means the anointed one. He was a body of flesh that was conceived in the womb of a woman. And some of you good Catholic people try to make her a goddess. Did you realize she wasn't no more than an incubator that God used? Certainly not. She's no queen of heaven. She's a woman. That God just chose that woman because she's clean and a virgin and overshadowed with the Holy Ghost and created a body in her by His own creation. Amen. She had no spurn to it at all. Not at all. Amen. No, indeed. He was, he was neither Jew nor Gentile. He was God. He was created in the womb. And that clean, holy body without any spurn from human being at all was a holy, sanctified vessel that Jehovah dwelt in. Therefore, Jesus said, It's not me that doeth the works, it's my Father that dwelleth in me. He doeth the work. That's right. He could speak and say the words. And what it was, it isn't me, it's my Father that dwelleth in me. See, and His Father, that's the reason He prayed to the Father. He said, someone asked me, he said, Well, then how could He pray to the Father if the Father was in Him? I said, How do you pray to the Father if the Father's in you? <laughs> there you are. You pray to the Holy Ghost, so you sure do. See, God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself. Great Jehovah God dwelt in Christ. We, it's in us by measure, Him without measure. Now, but this measure that's in Him, the whole church together in a body, see, as we get towards the end of this episode, we end with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for Thy Word, and we thank Thee, Father, that You've given us the spirit of being convinced over Your Word. Speak to us, and may our nature become changed by the flowing of living waters inside us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We hope to continue to earn your viewership throughout the year as we read the Bible from cover to cover. 
To make this a better listening experience for you, would really appreciate your feedback. So please email us at honeyintherock2020 at gmail.com. We also have accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So please follow us, share our pages, and subscribe. Now we'll leave you with the parting song. God richly bless you. <laughs>